Absolutely. But one of the things I always like to say about coaching is that coaching is, like you said, it's to help you to see your blind spots, right? I think about all the great athletes, the Michael Jordans, you know, Serena Williams, you name it, they all have coaches. It's not because they're, they're trying to make them great. It's just they're there to see the blind spots. Because when you're on the court, you're playing the game of life. You don't see somebody coming behind your, your right side, your back side or whatever. You don't see that your forehand is not you know, following through. But your coach is there to see that. And so I've always had a coach. You know, when I, Even when I started my business, I had a business coach. Uh, because there was one thing I was like, oh, I need to do this. He was like, no, you don't need to do that. You need to pay attention to this. I was like, oh, OK. And then over the years, I've had life coaches. Uh, because I believe, again, they can see my blind spots because I'm in my life. I'm living it on a daily. I don't see all the different things. And so um, so when I do coaching, I do business coaching, but I also do I call it personal development coaching. But I help the person is figure out, like, well, who are you for you? Welcome to another episode of the Leading to Fulfillment podcast, where everything we talk about is meant to encourage people-first leaders, empower individuals to achieve fulfillment, and to help your organizations become places people love to work. I'm your host, James Laws, and I have a great show in store for you. My guest for this episode is Dr. Denise Moore-Revel. Dr. Denise is a CEO, founder, and an award-nominated best-selling author, speaker, and personal development coach. For over 25 years, she has literally helped people find their voices. As a speech-language pathologist, her job has been helping her clients discover their voice. She founded their the Own Your Own Amazing movement as an extension of the message of finding your own voice and living your worth out loud. Through coaching, mentoring, and workshops, Dr. Nice empowers women to find their unique voice, live their worth out loud, and create amazing lives they love. In my conversation with Dr. Nice, we discuss what does it mean to own your amazing and Dr. Denise's personal journey, uh, the permission to define what your business and success should look like, the importance of the two-way street of trust and leadership, and some practices of self-care in the pursuit of fulfillment. But first, I want to invite you to subscribe and leave a review for the Leading to Fulfillment podcast in your favorite podcast tool. We are literally in all of the places. So if you want to watch us on Apple or listen to us on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or yes, you can watch us on YouTube. Now, let's jump into my conversation with Dr. Denise Moore-Revel. Dr. Denise, thank you so much for joining me on the Leading to Fulfillment podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, so to dive in, for those who don't know who you are and may want to know a little bit about your background, what you're all into, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and, and let us know what you're all about? Awesome. So my name is Dr. Denise Moore-Rivell. I call myself an urban bell. I know some of you have heard of a southern bell. Like, what's an urban bell, right? So I was born actually in Washington, D.C., which is the urban part. But I was raised in a very small town in North Carolina. So that's where you get the urban bell. So I said my, my roots run southern. I love sweet tea. 
<laughs> so, so, but, you know, definitely I've been in the Washington, D.C. area for almost 30 years. Uh, my my schooling, my career as a speech language pathologist is what brought me to the area. Um, and so I've been a speech pathologist for over 27 years now. Wow, <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, but I am looking to transition out of my profession in the next few years and focus more on my new company, the Own Your Amazing Movement. So we can talk more about that as well. Absolutely. So yeah, actually, let's let's dive into that a little bit because okay. uh, I, I love the I love the kind of the name of this Own Your Amazing. Right? Like this is yeah. a pretty interesting concept. Tell us a little bit about what is what is Own Your Amazing. What does it mean? What does it stand for? What's it all about? Absolutely. So I've been on this journey of self-discovery for many, many years, right? So um, graduated from graduate school, was doing, you know, working professionally, doing well, but I still wasn't happy and fulfilled. You know, I felt like something was missing. And so I got on this journey of self-discovery, like, okay, who am I? What is my life really about? What am I doing with my life? So I started reading books and attending, you know, retreats and things like that. So about six years ago, I attended a retreat in Dallas, Texas. And so uh, I arrived on that Friday and I met one of the attendees and we went out to dinner uh, just to get to know one another, talk, share each other's stories. So the next day was the actual retreat and uh, the facilitator, the coach, she allowed each person to come up to the front of the room and get coached. So as I'm sitting in the audience watching everyone else, you know, they're getting very emotional and, and they're crying. I'm sitting in my chair thinking like, why are they crying? What is going on? <laughs> okay, whatever, right? So then it's my turn to come to the front of the room and to get coached. As soon as I sat down in the chair, I started crying. <laughs> I mean, an ugly cry. <laughs> And the facilitator's like, what is going on? I was like, I don't know. I just don't feel happy. I don't, I feel like there's something missing in my life. So the person I had gone out to dinner with the night before, she raised her hand and she said, I know what's wrong with you. Now, mind you, I just met her the day before. <laughs> so in my mind, I'm thinking, you don't know me. <laughs> we just met. How, you know, I've been on this journey and you know what's wrong with me. I didn't say any of that, of course. I was thinking it. So I just looked at her and I said, so what's going on with me? She said to me, she said, you're smart, you're brilliant, you're talented. She said, you're all of these things. She said, but you don't own it. She said, you need to own your amazing and stop playing small. I was like, oh my God, that's it. <laughs> that is it. People in the room was like, oh, I just got chill bumps. People were crying. I started to cry again because it was like she helped me to language what I had been feeling. I knew there was more for me to do. I knew that um, I had been discounting myself. I knew I was not owning my amazing. I was too busy criticizing myself, still thinking I wasn't smart enough, still thinking I wasn't good enough. And here this person was, was like, no, you need to own it. Not only you, but everyone else. So I've been on a mission since that day to help people, especially women, to own our amazingness. The good, the bad, and the amazing. That is my mission. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a really that's a really cool story. And it's it's yeah. kind of interesting, like in a moment to get a get a piece of clarity 
and someone to actually name your business, <laughs> right? <laughs> right then and there. <laughs> uh, but I know, and, and I think most of our listeners know, right, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, mm-hmm. uh, that that moment of clarity is, is a great kind of catalyst to get started, but the journey isn't easy. And so my guess is you're on this journey now trying to find happiness, trying to find fulfillment in the work that you do. You've got this glimmer of perhaps some things that need to change. Tell me about the early stages of that journey, because I, I imagine, right, it, you, didn't, you didn't walk out of there and like, there's my business and here's what I'm doing. Like, what, what, did, what was that like walking away from that intense, right? It's an intense experience. There's something yeah. about when you get a group of people who all want the same thing, fulfillment, yeah joy in their, in their, in their endeavors. After you walk away from that intense moment, what does that journey feel like for you as you say, all right, now I'm going to start that journey towards fulfillment. I remember once I left that session, I got on the phone and called one of my sisters and told her about it. And I was like, I have got to share this with the world and some capacity. I didn't know how, but I knew um, even the people around me, my family, my friends, brilliant people, but I saw them also playing small, not really going for their dreams, not really living authentically, just kind of going through the motions, uh, people pleasing, all those things, right? And so she was like, you have to share it. And so when I got back from Texas, I, I assembled my family and we had a small session and I shared with them uh, my thoughts. And then so they were the one to say, you got to share this with more people. More people need this. And so that's how it started. And so as the journey has gone on, I have done some clarification and clarifying the message and just, but it's all part of my own personal journey too. You know, as I am saying, like, this is who I am now, I'm encouraging other people to do the same. Um, Has it been easy? No, but it's been fulfilling. It's been amazing. But, But the biggest part that has been amazing to me is seeing other people get the aha the light bulb goes off for them. Um, I do business coaching. One of the things I love is when I when I sit down with my clients, I ask them, so what do you want your business to be? And they start out by saying, well, it should be this. And it should be that. But I said, no, 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 no. What is it that you want? You have an opportunity to create exactly what you want your business to be. What is it that you want? When I tell you they struggle with that because we've been so programmed to let other people dictate to us what our success, our story, our businesses should be, that when someone has now given you this opportunity, a lot of times I say, I give you permission to say exactly what you want it to be. And so a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, it should be this, it should be that. But I'm saying, no, you own it. You own your amazing. You show up in your business exactly the way you want it. And so for me, it's, it's still an ongoing journey. I'm still trying to figure out exactly uh, what it's going to look like even for me. It's, it's such a powerful message though. If you, so many of us, right, we're caught up in this kind of, there is this culture of what a successful business is supposed to look like. What is a su- su- successful leader or yeah. business or entrepreneur, right? Yeah. There's all these ideas and things that are thrust upon us from everyone else about what success looks like, but true fulfillment, right? True fulfillment comes at when you have purpose, when you have passion, when you have, when you get to make progress in something that matters to you as an individual, and it's not measured by anyone else. And until you can get that 
that seed inside of you that says, this is what success looks like for me. You're always going to be measuring your fulfillment against everything else. So I love this message. I give you permission to say what you want to be, what you want your business to be. And I think that's a, that's a profound message I think people should hear. I have a story. Um, I have a speech therapy practice. I have a, a brick and mortar. I have a business in the office space. And this particular space I'm in now, I've been in there for about 10 years now. And so when I first moved in, you know, you had to bring all the technicians in, the telephone and the, and the cable and all, you know, all those kind of things to get set up. And so um, I had already determined what I wanted my space to be, how I wanted my clients to feel when they came into my office. And so the technician came in to uh, do the internet, right? And so before he left, he said, oh, do you want me to install a television in the reception area? I said, no, thank you. He said, well, other offices, I've installed them in other offices. Um, would you like one? I said, no, thank you. I don't want a TV in here. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and then he asked me again. I said, no, I don't want a television in here. I said, my primary clients are young children. And I love to read. And I want them to be avid readers. And yeah. so while they're waiting for their appointment, I want them to read a book, not watch TV. And yeah. so he was like, oh, okay. And so if you go into my office now, there's a basket full of books. There's no TV. I've been in there 10 years. I've never, I'm never going to put a TV in there. Because then at that point, I understood this is my office. <laughs> this is how I want mine to be. Yes, there are other offices that have TV. Great for them. But I knew I was giving myself permission to create a space that felt good for me. And it's exactly what I've done. No, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I understand that kind of sentiment so strongly in my own business. You know, mm -hmm. the, I run, I have a coffee shop that we have that's local, Coffee Roaster. It's international award winning. It's, it's awesome. awesome. And we have a tech business that builds software and does that. And there is this, this idea of we have to move fast and we need to hire more engineers and we need to get more marketing out there. And all those things are true, right? No, none of those things are wrong, right. but they didn't, weren't the thing I wanted to focus on. What I wanted to focus on was how do I take care of the team? Like, how do I make sure each team member's role is perfect for them? And we still got a long way to go there, but how do I help them find fulfillment in their role? Not engagement. I don't care. It's not about just making them more active because you can be more active and not fulfilled. I want people who are like fulfilled in their work. And I say this on almost every episode, when they get to their end of their day, I want them to be full and not depleted. And to me, that is a good, a good benchmark of fulfillment. And it doesn't mean that work isn't hard. Sometimes work is work, right? You have to do yeah. it, but yeah. that idea of fulfillment. And so I've made my focus on that for our team. And it's interesting to see a lot of people look at me cross-eyed like, why are you focusing on that? You need to build, you need to do this for your product. You need to do that. I'm like, that stuff will happen. If I take yes. care of the team, all that other stuff will work itself out. I'm not worried about it. So I love that of kind of going against the grain and finding out who you are as a business leader, as a business owner, what you want for your company and your organization, whether that be children when they're waiting in the waiting room to read books, to thrive off of reading and not just be glued to another screen that's that's been made readily available to them. Or a leader who's decided, you know what, I'm going to pour in and invest into my team. and I'm right. going to let all the business stuff work out because I took care of my team, not in spite of my team. 
So I love that. I love that. Yes, we're on the same page with that. Even um, I have assistants to work in my office. Um, somewhat, they have they have keys to the office. They come in when I'm not there. They know how to run the office. And someone said to me, like, wow, you trust them with the keys? And I was like, well, they can't work for me if I don't trust them. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I need to be able to trust them. You know, so that, I don't understand that. So for me. And so it's like um, I empowered my team. I want them to feel vested and uh, a part and have some buy in into this thing. So um, when it's time to take on new clients, I ask them, what do you think? Who do you want to work with? Because I remember working in jobs that I was never asked, you know, my opinion. It was like, here, do this. Right. And so I decided like again, when I have my company, is that I want people to feel like they have a buy-in, that they have a say-so. Uh, because like with you, I, I want them to feel fulfilled. I want them to be happy. Because in the end, I know if they're happy, fulfilled, it's going to be a great place to work. They're going to want to yeah. show up. Um, I have Sometimes I have to tell them to go home, <laughs> you know, it's like, because they enjoy what they do. I enjoy what I do. And so, but we have to make sure as leaders, we're creating culture for that. Uh, where people can feel good about uh, who they are. Like I said, I had a I had a job, I had a career, but I wasn't fulfilled um, because it wasn't tapping into what I felt like was uh, uniquely my 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 skill set, um, the impact I wanted to make, and so um, I decided to create that for myself. And I, I really like what you said about how it's our responsibility as leaders to create and establish the culture and protect the culture. And you talk about right, like these. These people, I couldn't, these people couldn't work for me if I didn't trust them. Like, how can they possibly work for me if I didn't trust them? And to, to those leaders uh, listening to this, and I think you would agree with this, I think you're demonstrating this in some of the things that you're talking about, is that in order for our teams to trust us, the first thing we have to do, or in order for us to trust them, we have to display trust back to them. We have to be trustworthy leaders. That's really my focus on fulfillment, right? Is that I want my team to know that if I say something, I'm going to do it. And that if it's in their best interest, I am going to work and fight for it. And that I'm never going to uh, intentionally go after something that would harm their work-life integration, that's going to harm their ability to live their best life while also doing their best work. I don't want to, I don't want to damage that. And so it's, it's a two way street. Like I have to be trustworthy. And and if I am, de- if I'm doing that, you've already established a level of trust that lets you trust your team uh, very easily. And um, in my space, when one of my assistants at this time, um, she's actually coming off of maternity leave the second time. <laughs> You know, so, but the first time, you know, I asked her, how much time do you need off? I'm not going to dictate to you uh, what time do you need with your your, your family? And so I said to her, how much time do you want to take off? And so, um, and also, so, you know, a young mom, you know, young family. And I told her, I said, anytime you need to bring the little ones, bring them. You know, we work with children. You know, this is a kid friendly (laughs) space, you know? And she was like, really? I was like, absolutely. I want you to know that you are supported here, you know? And so uh, there had been times she's brought her little kids, you know, to the office. And uh, because I told her, I don't want you to ever feel like you have to put your kids somewhere you, you're worried about their safety. You didn't have anyone that you trusted with your most prized possessions. I said, um, bring them. It was always a situation where something fell through. You know, she had a babysitter lined up or something. And she was like, I need to bring the kids. I was like, absolutely bring them. It's okay. 
I don't want you to have to worry about uh, what, what's happening with your children while you're here at work. And so, I, again, I think uh, as leaders, we need to, uh, you know, have environments where those who work for us and work with us uh, feel that we really care about them, not just professionally, but also personally. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's crucial. One of the things that we always talk about with to our leaders is we pass on to them, like during one-on-ones, it's not about the work, right? We One-on-one time, that time is, is a, it's a time for you to really learn about your team member, empathize yeah. with the life that they're living in. And their yeah. life that they're living in is probably different than the life you're living in. And being yeah. aware of that. And that may be because of culture. Uh, that may be because of the world circumstances impact different people in different ways. There's so many reasons why the world around us impacts us all differently. And so, being having that time in the one-on-one to really say, "Hey, you know, you know," sadly, we've had another school shooting. How is that impacting you? Like, we've have this war going on, uh, you know, across the ocean. How are you feeling? Because some people that's impacting them in a greater way than it might be impacting you. And so being right. aware of that and having that time to say, I care about you personally. I want to make sure that your mental health is taken care of personally. How can I help you with that? Uh, is a, an extremely powerful way to demonstrate trust, care, uh, that you're putting their fulfillment even above perhaps the organization and mm-hmm. the the goals and the KPIs and all of the stuff. So I love I love that sentiment. I love the sentiment of asking like, hey, how much time do you need? I don't know what you need. You know, right. I probably need something different than what you need. So I want to know. So I, I think that's so really cool. Just a little funny about that. Um, when the pandemic hit, um, we had a pivot. You know, we were seeing a lot of kids in, in the office. Um, but a lot of parents often were like, no, 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 we're bringing them. <laughs> they were like, we've been home all day. Like, no, 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 we're, we're coming, we're coming. Please stay open, right? And so, but I also asked my assistant, I was like, you have small children at home, you know, coming into the office. You know, I don't want to um, impact your health, or your um, feeling comfortable coming in, you know, with people. And so I said, you know, you can do virtual. We can just figure it out. She was like, no, 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 I'll come in. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I need a break too. She's like, for her mental health, I was like, I need to get out of the house. Everyone's looking at that like, this is an event. We're getting out of the house. Like, right. this is. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So again, again, I would want it to be very mindful of her, her own um, ability to come in and show up in a way that's going to serve her and her family. But she was like, no, I'll, I'll come in. <laughs> I'll, I'll come. <laughs> I, so I love to hear your heart and how you've treated your team and how you're developing your, your ideas from a leader perspective. Uh, I want to kind of refocus back on you just a little bit as, uh, as you know, to all of our leaders, a lot of times the good ones, I should say, the people first <laughs> leaders end up spending a lot of time sacrificing their own fulfillment on the, uh, for the betterment of those around them. And they don't take enough time to kind of self-analyze and look and like self-care and say, what do I need? I want to know what are some of the practices that you've put in place over the years as you've been on this journey to own your amazing, to find, to take care of yourself and to, you know, find fulfillment internally and in yourself. What are some of those practices that you perhaps do on your habits, your rituals or whatever that you do? That's a great question. Uh, And it's something that, that, uh, it's still an ongoing journey for me. I can say there have been times where 
I have really been good at taking care of myself. And there are a lot of times where I just, I just didn't. I, I sacrificed myself uh, for the company, for the clients to, to, to push, to go, to move, to grow, all those kind of things. Um, but one of the things I learned, and I had a, um, a, 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 what you call it, a life coach for many years. And so one of the things that um, we talked about was she was like, you have no recreation in your life. You have no fun. It's always work. It's always other people. She was like, when are you going to just have fun and just enjoy your life and enjoy the fruits of your labor, right? You know? And so I just remember thinking like, wow, I'm not doing thing, doing the things that I enjoy doing, right? So um, after that point, I would make a thing, a deal with myself like every summer. I definitely would take a vacation, right? But also would also do like a, a summer uh, activity or uh, take up a summer hobby. So just today I was out earlier looking at some things. I think I'm going to do some painting this summer, you know, <laughs> take up painting. But um, just learning how to just do things for fun. It does not have to do with my businesses. It doesn't have to do with any me taking care of anyone else but just something fun for me. But again, it has definitely been a journey, but I've gotten better, but I'm also mindful of um, my weekly, my daily rituals, but also my weekly rituals. You know, I have a morning routine now uh, that I'm very consistent about it, where I get up, I meditate, I pray, I get quiet, I get still, right? Uh, And then at night, I make sure I shut things off and um, I, I, or I may light a candle what, or I may journal. And so I'm very much more intentional about it. Uh, now that things are uh, growing and more busier, it's that I have to be more intentional about taking care of myself um, so that I can show up. But I will say probably last year was I got to a point, mm, probably around this time where I was, extreme, I was experiencing extreme burnout. You know, coming through the pandemic, I'm still working with a lot of clients in my speech practice, as well as taking on um, clients in my personal development company, the speech, you know, the Own Your Amazing, where I do personal development and business coaching. I was doing all of that and there was no time. I did not take any time. And I got to a point where um, I never forget, I was at my office and I was having my intern to start. Um, I take on interns from local universities to train them. And the intern was going to start that Monday. And I just remember thinking like, whew, I can get a break. <laughs> you know, I just felt such a relief of, wow, my mind can kind of calm down a minute so that I can just take care of me because yes, I was going to be training her, but she was also going to be seeing some of the clients. So that was going to take a little load off of me for a few months. But I remember that day thinking like, you can never get to this point ever again where you are at the point of burnout, extreme burnout. And so that's been about a year ago. And so now it's like, oh no, I take my time. Like I said, I'm going to take a painting, (laughs) you know, Um, this weekend I'm going to be chilling out, but I'm very much more intentional about my self-care because I want to show up as a effective and good leader. I want to serve uh, from a full capacity and I realized I can't do that if I'm not taking care of myself. No, I, I think important words to hear. And I, I think back in, in my own journey, a little over a decade ago, I was in a situation where I was pastoring a church. 
I was mm. starting a business. Mm-hmm. I was just about to quit my job. I had I had work, was working a full time job, pastoring a church, and starting a business. So I had these three things going on, juggling mm-hmm. all of it at the same time. I had found out that my wife was pregnant, and we had a, a new a new child on the way. We had just bought a house, uh, and I was quitting my job. All these things were happening like all at the same time, and. For many of us who are business leaders, who are high achievers, who are who push, we have a hard time, right, of spending time doing the thing that's not our business. And right. I was one of those. I was probably chief among those who would say, "Well, my my job is my hobby, like building business and doing this stuff and leading. Like that's fun for me, and it is fun for me. Right. But it didn't mean I don't need other things in my life to de-stress and to decompress. And so what ended up happening is when all that was happening. I was at my my job at the time. I only had a little more time there. And I started to get lightheaded and my heart rate mm. jumped up to like 170 and was just and and I'm just sitting in a cubicle. Like I was a web administrator at the time and I'm and I I felt really off. I felt really bad. So they took me to the hospital and my heart rate kept climbing and climbing. I was I went into a, a state of atrial fibrillation where my heart rate is all irregular and it's going really fast. It put me in the ICU for three days while they were wow. trying to get my heart to go back into a sinus rhythm and get my heart rate down. Uh and what I realized about me as a leader and me as an entrepreneur and how I deal with burnout or how I deal with stress is emotionally and mentally, I'm not aware of it. For mm. some reason, I'm not always aware of it, but my body mm. was aware of it. And my body was protesting all this life change and not slowing down and not taking time to relax and breathe and be in that moment. So it's so important for leaders and entrepreneurs to in their in their in their finding, you know, into in their you know owning their amazing, they also have to own their rest and their calm and their quiet and their fun activities and stuff to help them. And so for me, I'm with you. I love routines. I build routines into my day because I find them to be uh, comforting. I, I will go for a walk for about an hour every single day because it's just, it helps me kind of walk away from everything and say, let it go. And so yeah. really profound words for people to hear. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that story. Like, wow. Um, yeah. Our bodies, our minds, you know, things will um, give off warning sa- signs that it's time to stop. It's time to slow down. Mine is, de- I'm very, I was very in tune with I'm very in tune with me, you know, my mental, yeah. my mental health. I wish I were. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I just think because I've had family members who like really struggle with mental illness. Uh, and yeah. so I, it was, I couldn't help but to be like, oh, okay. But even being aware of it, I still knew there was times I didn't take good care of mine. Yeah. And so it's like, I tell myself, well, you know, what can happen. You can, it, become, it, can, it can become chronic. And so now I just try to do preventive care. Like, okay, what do you need to do? How do you need to slow down? Um, just to make sure that you are, again, um, at, at capacity uh, in order to handle the things I need to handle. So, yeah, it, it's still a journey, but I've gotten much, much better. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think, if you ask my team, I have also uh-huh. gotten much better. Because okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you ask me, I don't know. I'm always, I'm a little unsure, but I'm, I'm always yeah. working at it. For those <laughs> listening, there's, yeah. there's, there's, 
you know, business leaders, entrepreneurs who are like, oh, I've, I felt myself on the verge of that. Maybe what I need is some coaching. Maybe I just need somebody in my corner to kind of, to see the things that I don't see because I'm just yeah. too close to it. It's not because they, they can't see it. They probably could see it fine in someone else, but sometimes in ourselves, we're just too close to the situation and we can't, but what is the coaching experience like if somebody was to be working with you and everybody, I know there's, we've had a lot of coaches on this show and yeah. every coach is different. So what, tell me about that coaching relationship and what that feels like. Absolutely. But one of the things I would like to say about coaching is that coaching is, like you said, it's to help you to see your blind spots, right? I think about all the great athletes, the Michael Jordans, you know, Serena Williams, you name it, they all have coaches. It's not because they're, they're trying to make them great. It's just they're there to see the blind spots. Because when you're on the court, you're playing the game of life. You don't see somebody coming behind your, your right side, your back side or whatever. You don't see that your forehand is not you know, following through. But your coach is there to see that. And so I've always had a coach. You know, when I, Even when I started my business, I had a business coach. Uh, because there was one thing I was like, oh, I need to do this. He was like, no, you don't need to do that. You need to pay attention to this. I was like, oh, okay. And then over the years, I've had life coaches uh, because I believe, again, they can see my blind spots because I'm in my life. I'm living it yeah. on a daily. I don't see all the different things. And so um, so when I do coaching, I do business coaching, but I also do, I call it personal development coaching. But I help the person is figure out like, well, who are you for you? I help them to define who they are. And that's the first question that I start with all of my clients. Well, who are you for you? I don't want you to tell me who are you for your parents, for your spouse, for society. Who are you saying that you are? So I have this talk I do called the, the power of identity. I don't think we talk enough about, well, who are you for you? How are you identifying you? Because I always say the most important relationship you're going to ever have is the one you, ha the one you have with yourself. How are you dealing with you? What do you think about you? It's not important. I was such a people pleaser. I was so wrapped into like, what does this person think? What is it? And I never stopped and say, well, what do I think about me? Or how do I define success for me? Or what do I want my work-life balance to be? And so it's, it's personal development. It's like I help people to see themselves a lot of times for the first time or in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how it's all about you know, what do you want? What do you say? What do you think about that? It's not it's not important what I think about it. It's like, what do you think about it? Because you're living your life. You are showing up. Are you showing up for you or not? And so we know those answers, but sometimes it just takes someone to kind of prod or be like, hey, what do you think about this? So have you thought about this? And like, what are you thinking about your life? And we don't take enough time to do that because I believe we've been programmed to get all these mixed messages from outside of us to say, who am I? Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I enough? And we never stop to say, well, I, I, I think I'm pretty good. I think I'm pretty amazing. <laughs> now, if anybody else thinks that, okay, but what do I think about me? What do I think about my life? Am I showing up um, the way I want to show up in the world? Am I making decisions about my life according to what I want to do real quickly. What I, I think I got my first taste of it when I was about 17, 18 years old. It was time for me to decide where I wanted to go to college. And there's one school that everybody assumed I was going to attend because family members had gone there. And at one point I said I wanted to go there. But by the time I got to my senior year, I didn't want to go to that school anymore. 
that I had my I had other interests, right? And so it was time to apply for colleges and I applied for different colleges. And so months went on and my dad was like, have you gotten your acceptance letter to this particular school? And I was like, no. And so months went on, but I showed the acceptance letters to the other school. A few months later, he said, did you get the acceptance letter from the other school? I was like, no. He was like, okay. And so weeks went on and he said, have you got your acceptance letter to that particular school? I said, no. He said, I've heard other kids have gotten their letters. Why haven't you gotten yours? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so finally I said, dad, we need to have a conversation. I said, the reason why I didn't get the letter is because I never applied to that school. He was like, what? And then you ran away. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> to say that he was upset with me would be an understatement (laughs) but yes he was very upset with me but I was too afraid to tell him and my teachers and my guidance counselor family members that I didn't want to go to that school but finally I had to say I said well this is my life this is where I'm going to spend the next four years shouldn't I have a say as to where I want to go and what I want to do and so after a long conversation he was like you're right it is your life it, is, it should be your decision. So let's talk about it. And so that was really the first time I really understood the power of making decisions for my life, not based on what everyone else wanted for me, but what did I want for myself? I told my dad, I just don't think that's a good fit for me. Yes, it's a great school. Yes, my, my family members went there, but it's not for me. <laughs> it's yeah. not for me. And we have to um, give ourselves permission to say, this is a good fit for me, or this is not a good fit, fit, fit for me. But I tell people it takes courage to be who you are. It does, and 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 it's a process, right? Like when we're Absolutely. young, it you know we're still discovering Absolutely. who we are. We're still trying right. to figure that stuff out, and and there is a lot of information coming at us, trying to tell us, well, you should be this or you should be that. Right. And you know, my son's eight, and he wants to work for Nintendo and move to Japan and work for Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, awesome. cool, like. Yeah. You know, you can do that if you want to. Like, let's talk about how you get there. But do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it's it's a journey. I loved something you said earlier too. In this in this whole kind of conversation, was this I come back to is this idea of like, and we hear it all the time. You can't really love someone until you learn to love yourself. And as a leader, you can't lead people to a place you haven't gone yourself. So if you want to instill fulfillment in your company and in your organization, you got to start with you. You have to figure out how do you find fulfillment and, and how do you live it out? If you want your team to take good, healthy vacations, you got to take good, healthy vacations and demonstrate <laughs> that. You've got to go there yourself. I was terrible at work-life balance and I don't even like work-life balance. I call it work-life integration. Mm-hmm. I was terrible at it. I spent a lot of time at work. I spent a lot of time in the office. And so all I did was demonstrate to my team is that that's how I think work should be. And it wasn't until we went distributed and I started working from home and making my own schedule and realizing I could still get all the stuff I wanted to get done and actually more in this new way that I found what work-life integration really was for me. And now I can lead other people in that direction. But before, I wasn't leading anyone anywhere. And so as a leader, we have to remember, right? We want to lead people into own your amazing. Well, 
got to own your own amazing first. And then you can lead other people to do that. You want people to have work-life balance, you have to lead them first. And so uh, lead your way through that as well. So really profound words and journey. And, 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 and I think an important part about coaching too is that coaching isn't about somebody who knows more than you. It's right. not somebody who's necessarily smarter than you. It's not somebody who has all the answers. It's right. somebody who can see things from an angle that you're not capable at seeing things in that moment. And they're just going to point things out and it's still going to be up to you mm-hmm. to decide, am I going to do, am I going to take that information and that experience that they're seeing that I can't see and am I going to implement that into my decision-making process? So great stuff. Awesome. Uh, Dr. Denise, I want to give you the last word. Uh, if there was something I didn't ask you that I should have, if there's something you'd like to share, or if you just want to let people know where they can get in touch with you if they want to learn about more about your movement and your cause and get in touch with you, let us know how they can do that. Absolutely. Just one thing you said a minute ago about leadership. Uh, I just did a talk uh, a few weeks ago called leadership is the inside job. Leadership, leadership starts from, with, from within. Mm-hmm. We think it's all about outside of us, but leadership is an inside job. So once we start leading ourselves, like you said, being that example, being that demonstration of what a taking out healthy, if we want our team members to be healthy and whole, then we have to be a demonstration of that too and to lead the way with that. So I just wanted to say that, but leadership is an inside job. It's not outside of us. It's inside of us. And so um, I'm, I'm working on my journey of being a, a better leader by showing up and being a demonstration of what I want my team members and my company, um, those who work for me and with me and partner with me uh, to be about. So um, you can find me at ownyouramazingnow.com. Again, ownyouramazingnow.com is the first place I recommend people to start. And just to learn more about who I am, the movement, uh, and, and come and be a part of it. You know, I, I, I work with a lot of le- leaders, you know, and so, um, but we, and we always talk about how can we do it better? How can we be better? Uh, but I always tell them it starts with you. That's great. Dr. Denise, thank you so much for being on the show. We're going to make sure that we put uh, links to everything in our show notes when we release the episode. We'll be sharing out some short clips, and this will also be on, is also on YouTube. So uh, just thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, I look forward to uh, watching all the stuff that you're going to be about. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I so enjoyed it. <laughs> thank you so much. I want to thank Dr. Denise for taking the time to be on the show and join me as we talk through the idea of owning your amazing. Everything that we mentioned, including a full transcript of the show, is available over on our website, and you can access it literally anytime you want by visiting leadingtofulfillment.com slash 025. Also on that website, you can subscribe to our newsletter. There we'll let you know when every new episode drops, as well as send you original and curated content on leadership, managing teams, you guessed it, finding fulfillment. You've probably read quite a few headlines about famed and acclaimed talents getting their big breaks. That pivotal moment where everything changed for musicians, actors, tech moguls, and beyond. It makes for some pretty inspiring stories, but it's also misleading. The truth is, getting your big break is ultimately a myth. While some successful people experience a breakthrough, it nearly always comes after years of putting in the work. 
As you embark on your career, one of the most dangerous things that you can do is is wait for your big break. I mean, there's nothing wrong with aspiring to be great and accomplish great things or to own your amazing, but aspirations mean very little without action backing them up. Even in Dr. Denise's story, she had an epiphany, a breakthrough at an event, but it took a lot of hard work for that vision to become reality. The danger in believing that your big break is just kind of around the corner is the temptation to sit and wait for it. Trust me when I say that no one is going to reach out and just hand you a career. As nice as that may sound, the greatest achievements are never free. The cost? Putting in the work. Lots and lots of work. But I have good news too. If you do it right, the work itself is the most fulfilling part. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me on the next episode. But until then, may your businesses be successful as you lead your teams to fulfillment.